Welcome to the Dear Bronx Science Podcast. My name is Victoria Lee, a member of the Bronx High School Science Class of 2012. Through this podcast, I share stories from the Bronx Science community so that each of us can write a letter that starts with Dear Bronx Science. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and now let's meet our guest. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode um, of Dear Bronx Science. Today, we have Anna Bao. She is a class of 2013, and she is the founder of Kaleido, which is a peer-to-peer advising Um, provides peer-to-peer advising between young professionals and high school students, and she's a graduate of Cornell. And I'm excited to have her here because she reached out and she had a similar mission of reaching out to high school students and helping them, especially since um, for her own experience, she's a proud first-generation student and immigrant. So I'm really excited to have her to share her experience, her stories, as well as insights with the community. So Anna, can you kick us off by giving a brief introduction to yourself? Hi, Victoria. Um, thanks for welcoming me to this channel and allowing me to uh, have a voice um, in kind of speaking about what I'm working on. Um, my name is Anna. Um, and like you said, I am a uh, immigrant to the country when I was eight. I was a first generation, uh, came from a low income background, a prep school kid, um, did went to Bronx Science class of 2013. Um, and here I am. Uh, excited to talk to you today. Yeah, me too. And let's 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 go backwards. Let's go back to Bronx Science. And I asked this to all the guests just so we can level set the playing field for us to because we all have probably a similar experience of Bronx Science. What did it mean for you to attend and graduate from Bronx Science? Mm, that's a good question. Um, for me to attend Bronx Science, I think it was a fulfillation of my parents. Almost um, uh, my parents really wanted me to attend one of the top schools in New York City. Um, so I think they, so like I said, I, I was put through a lot of prep school to kind of uh, fulfill that um, that wish of them. Um, so attending Bronx Science was a, was very far from my house, but it was a kind of like a continuation of their dream. Um, and getting into Bronx Science was like, wow, I can be here. I can be with all these bright kids. And everyone's smart. Everyone is super talented, super focusing STEM. Um, so I felt like for, I think, a few years, I was like, wow, I'm really finding my crowd. Yeah, I think it's like a lot of people talk about like, you know, like my my mom's like, oh, you should go to Bronx Science. <laughs> and like we made sure that we prepared for it. And like it was definitely such a great experience, like you said, being surrounded by such bright people and to like learn from them. And I guess what, what were the types of things that you're involved with? when you were at Bronx Science? So when I'm at Bronx Science, um, I'm a super shy kid. Um, I um, definitely was not a popular girl. Um, And I think I was mainly involved in anything that looked good for a college application because that was like the main focus for me. So I think I did join Key Club um, and did do a few other study groups or stuff like that. Honestly, I don't have the most memory of it, um, but I do just remember um, finding my how myself and who I was in that moment. Can I be a popular girl? Do I want it to be one? Um, I guess like also just like, what do I want it to do? Do I want it to be a doctor? The science interests me. 
um, do I really want to be the person my parents want me to be? Or is it more of something of my own wanting? Mm, no, I gotcha. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like, there's a lot of society like pressures <laughs> in high school of just like, are you the popular kid? Or are you not? But then also, you got to remember, you're there for school. Mm. And like your parents want you to go there because it, it can open so many doors mm-hmm. into the future. Yeah. Um, I guess like the I, I guess um we, we kind of touched on it really quickly in an early um portion, but um I guess could you talk a little bit more about um you know your your background immigrating here and how it was like to attend Bronx Science with that background and um your parents, you know, viewing Bronx Science as a like, you know, opportunity for you to uh, to attend and for your future. Yeah, um so I immigrated to America when I was eight. Um I did not speak a word of English. Um, so it took me, you know, two years of ESL to finally learn the language and um, being able to, I guess, like speak at least conversationally. Um, and um, my parents are always very big on education, this opportunity, because um, they unfortunately did not graduate elementary school. Um, so I think, you know, but it's it's been something that's kind of been drilled to their minds that it is something that will make opportunity happen. They didn't really tell me how to make the opportunity happen uh, in that sense. Um, but um, they they were like, oh, you have to go to a good school. You have to get the best education. So they actually sacrificed a lot uh, in order for me to um, come to America, in order for me to um, get into the best schools. And I think I remember my parents were like, I will spend all my money on you in terms of like, going to prep school, but I won't spend it on food for example, on like snacks or something like that. So um, being a Bronx Science, uh, like you said, is definitely an opportunity opener because you're surrounded with all these kids that's like, oh, I want to go to Harvard. I want to go to Yale. I want to go to like all of these top schools. So definitely make it seem feasible to go to uh, one of these schools just by the pure influence of things. Um, and I think it's it's a little bit different for my brother, actually. Um He's eight years younger, and he didn't go into one of the top tier schools. Um, and he was not really surrounded by people that think that they can do it. So, like that contrast has made me really, um, really realize that Bronx Science is um, a very fortunate place for me to be um, to be surrounded by people that believe that in their in their way of uh, succeeding and uh, going to schools that the automobiles wouldn't dare to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you mentioned, like, for example, my, my dad didn't complete elementary school either in China. My mom, interestingly enough, had gone to graduate school in China. So it's like a very interesting mix for me of my dad didn't like, you know, obviously education was very important, but didn't exactly know how to navigate that for mm-hmm. me. And he didn't know English. Whereas my mom knew English, knows English. And she also like went to graduate school. So she like kind of had an idea. It's like, okay, we're in the US. This is probably what we need to do to succeed. So that's, I guess, like, that's, like, kudos to you. I mean, you you came here and, you know, you took ESL and not yeah. knowing English. Like, I think that's, that's super, like, you know, because like, I took ESL when I was in first grade because I first learned Chinese, mm-hmm. even though I was born here in the U.S. Um, with my family. But that's, like, I think that's a really incredible story of how you came, immigrated here, learned English. Your parents made sure English was um, not, um, education was, like, a super top priority. And then mm-hmm. you came to Bronx Science. And I guess what was it, I guess, was was corn like getting accepted into like college like a really like big moment for your family at that point or what was that like the culmination like 
Yeah. Um, so I was actually first uh, accepted to RPI. Uh, I actually got rejected from Cornell um, on my first try. Um, and I think going to RPI was, you know, something I was like not super proud of. Uh, just because, like I said, all my friends are going to like these elite colleges. We have like the highest acceptance rates um, to Cornell in my class year, at least. Uh, so um, I think it was like something I was like, oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to be away from family. It's going to be a good uh, chance to, you know, being able to live independently. Um, but it was not like obviously my dream school to be. Um, and I was... I think I went to that school with a little bit of disappointment. Um, and um, yeah, it was just uh, not my first choice. But I did um, go into, so I transferred my sophomore year into Cornell. Um, I reapplied my freshman year <laughs> um, because I, I think like RPI is a great school. I, I know it's a great engineering school, but it's a school, at least from my understanding, very engineering focused and not very involved in other kind of uh, activities or clubs and uh, liberal arts, for example. And um, I was feeling like I was kind of stifled in environment that Bronxers actually prepared me very well for in terms of their education and their uh, teaching. But I want something a little bit more challenging, a little bit more broad. Um, which is why um, I reapply again to Cornell my, um, after my freshman year. And I think that getting to Cornell, that moment was like <laughs> actually uh, kind of like the, you know, whatever you see on YouTube, like that crying moments from my parents. And then also for me as well, it was like, wow, I can't believe I am accepted. Um, so it, it was, it was uh, very heart uh, warming and, um, and I know my parents are like super, super proud of me of, of that achievement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like I, I I caught myself. I saw on your LinkedIn that you went to RPI first. I said court and then I said college. Like I think that's really important to highlight. It's like whether we have students listening here or other people had similar experiences where they got didn't get into the school that they ideally wanted to go and then transferred afterwards. I think that's really important to share because some um, people, like you mentioned, who do those college reaction videos. Nowadays, we didn't do that when I was when I was a student, but it's, it's always put so much pressure on the, you know, the college acceptance you get after high school. But there's also opportunities to get accepted into college, you know, afterwards, if you want to do a transfer. What was that process like for you to do um, to transfer? Like, where were you um, in case there, there are students listening and they want they think that might be the option mm-hmm. for them to get into their dream school? What were the like, were you planning on? You know, how did you make sure that you could stand out in the second time you were applying? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I actually did not change a lot of things except for my essay and my grades from my um, from uh, RPI. Um, I think the fact that you are a transfer student does make you stand out, even though there is, you know, less people applying as a transfer student. Um, the rates of acceptance, if you're looking at it from just applying directly from high school, is a little bit higher. Um, and coming from RPI, which is not a bad school by any means, uh, having a good GPA, you're kind of like a uh, big fish in a small pond kind of thing, right? Um, and really recentering my essay, um, you know, less about kind of like the thing that everyone says when they want to become a pre-med um, when they're entering, um, which I think, you know, you, you do see it pretty often from Bronx Science, like, 
oh, I want to be a pre-med. I want to like do this eventually so I can become a doctor and save the world, right? Um, uh, so I recenter my essay um, more about uh, volunteer experiences I had at a hospital when I was doing um, a little bit of internship there. Um, and I think that that really helps in terms of really communicating yourself, uh, who you are as a person, being a little bit more sure about what you want. Um, and, um, and I got accepted. So i um, super grateful for that. Um, I do have to say, though, I, I did went to RPI the, the way that I didn't want it. But I do, I've seen a lot of transfer students at my time in Cornell, too, that um, either just went to a community college because they couldn't afford it. Uh, for that first few years, at least, um, and they were still accepted to Cornell. Um, so it's not a impossibility um, that that's going to happen. I think um, a, I think the application really look for someone that's well-rounded, mature, and um, really knows what they want. Uh, so as long as you can communicate that and have a very practical way of going to that um, that path, I think you do have a chance. Uh, and making yourself stand out. Hmm. I really, yeah, I really like that example, how you mentioned, like, you know, you might write an essay that's like, oh, I'm going to go save the world and be pre-med. But then you took the other route when you applied again to be talk more about your volunteer experience and be more um, mature about how you express that. I think, I think that's a really important point, whether we have high school students listening or not. Because I think when I first wrote my college essay, it was kind of like kind of like the first one you were describing. And I did not get accepted when I did like early um, applications. And then I took a different route with the regular decision with being more honest and uh, writing about a more vulnerable moment where I did a um, it was like a speech workshop. And I wrote about walking up to the front of the room in my mom's heels because it was a conference. I just took my mom's heels and I'm just like wobbling there. Like I could feel myself shaking mm-hmm. and talking. And I think that like just when people, you write essays, like your parents, maybe they're not familiar with the process, think you have to go like, oh, you just sound amazing. And like, you're going to go save the world and you're going to be the superstar. But really, um, all those schools are always like, oh, we want to learn about yourself. Please be vulnerable. Like we want to hear about your failures. And you don't think that's what they want to hear, but like it actually is what they want here. So I think that's a really good example, even if you're not just applying to college, but even business school, graduate schools, or whatever um, schools that require applications. So I think that's really good to share. And I, I the part I, I'd love to hear more about is um, I, I read your Medium article. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone, Anna has, a, if you go into our LinkedIn, which I'll post later, she has an article posted on, on Medium about her experience with mentorship. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so um, the mentorship happened, well, when I first experienced it, um, truly, when I was in college. So I, um, Cornell was able to offer um, a lot of externship programs in which you get to shadow with alumni for one week to three weeks um, time period. Um, and externship is a shadowing opportunity that's a little bit different from an internship where you actually you know, get paid or unpaid uh, for for the work that you do produce. Um, so my first externship experience with Cornell was with um, my my current mentor right now. Uh, her name is Pam, and she uh, she's a CEO of an agriculture biotech company. Um, and I was actually able to live with her for three weeks. Um, I flew to Sacramento. Um, and from there we spent three weeks, um, 
just going all over the country, um, like Portland, Oregon, Minnesota. Um, and it was just a life changing experiences in terms of like seeing things through her eyes and um, how she was able to execute, how she was able to um, pitch, how she was able to be a leader uh, in front of a lot of the, well, the industry is very farmer oriented. So I guess you can guess the demographic of people that we're speaking to. Um, and it was just so inspiring uh, as a sophomore student to just like being able to have that exposure, um, seeing things and her attitude through her way of living things. Um, so um, that that was experience I, I think um, I was able to never forget. Um, and my relationship with um, Pam um, has, you know, gone from something like, oh, we're alumni and we totally don't know each other except connected by the same school and talking about the same school experiences to we talk about, you know, relationships, for example, uh, with uh, she and her husband. Um, we talk about food a lot because we both love food. Um, and uh, that's also where I like grew a love of like food anthropology of like, how, um, you know, like, why, why does a certain culture uses milk versus um, if, you know, uh, milk is not their thing? Uh, and how does like the trading routes affects um, the different shipments uh, of teas around the world? So stuff like that. Um, I also learned that from her, we went to some really good restaurants, uh, which is always a guilty pleasure of mine. And I definitely did have wine uh, when I'm not supposed to, um, but I got to test some really good ones. Um, it was just, yeah, like the relationship just grew from itself. Um, and I think that there was a moment that she would just tell me that she was like, you know, Anna, you're like amazing <laughs> like I don't know why you do not see that in yourself um and she gave me a lot of confidence in terms of my ability as a person um so so it's 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 something that I think it's life-changing that everyone should experience yeah it's like when I read that article like you know there's different types of mentorship when I saw what I read about your experience with her I was like whoa like you were on planes with her like she had literally took you along for along for the ride to see her works so I think that's super important because that was similar to why I started this podcast. I think it was great that you got that exposure because oftentimes for Bronx science, um, a lot of students, at least nowadays are coming from immigrant backgrounds. Their family are not, you know, uh, are just trying to get their footing here in the U S and establishing the foundation. And the kids are the ones really leading the charge for what the family will do in the future mm -hmm. and don't have that type of exposure. So I think that's really great that you got that exposure and just see like what's capable and what you can do and also to have someone to tell you that like you're amazing because oftentimes like you know we I've talked with other guests on the show and we've talked about imposter syndrome we've talked about not feeling worthy so it's always great to just get outside affirmation that you are and someone who you see as amazing telling you you're amazing is like always great because you're like wait you think I'm amazing I think you're amazing so I think that's really great that you had that experience and what um I guess for someone who is seeking in, uh, mentorship and they don't have a program like that, or maybe they just didn't jive with the first mentor or first few mentors they, they had, mm -hmm. how can they create strong mentorships and how can they continue that going forward? 
Yeah, no, that that's a good question. Um, well, I have to first say that people are always willing to give advices. Um, they're very happy in giving advices. And um, sometimes, you know, it is a huge courage to like ask someone for their time uh, and for their expertise and for their opinion. Um, but I do think that once you do muster up that courage to to ask someone, whether it's formally um, through a program, um, through school, which I was very fortunate to have through school, or if you, you know, do want to just like reach out to someone on LinkedIn or TikTok or social media like that you see that be like, hey, I am a high school student. Can you tell me about, um, you know, your experience in this? Um, they're most likely will say yes. And I mean, if anything, they said no. And what's going to happen? You just ask someone else, right? Um, so I think knowing that and getting over that self-fear um, is, is pretty important. Um, and then I think, like I said, during that article, um, that once you do have that, right, you have to check, treat it as a genuine relationship, right? You can expect that mentors to, you know, give you advice and tell you about their life experiences, but it's not a give and take. Uh, it's not a Q&A, right? It's it's a relationship that you have to develop. It's uh, in order for you to confine them, they have to confine in you, right? Um, so I think um, having that trust is super important. Having that vulnerability and dunked communication between the two of you is really important. Um, and sometimes it might just not be a fit uh, in terms of, you know, the values that you have the experiences you have, uh, it, sometimes they may seem the same on paper, but when you talk to them, they don't feel the same way. Um, and don't despair when you don't have a mentor like that you met that you think is working super well. Um, you will find someone out there for you. Um, and once you do, it's going to be a like ride of your life. Like what you're hearing? Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. I upload a new episode every Sunday. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you, and thank you for your support. Now back to the show. Now that we're on topic of mentorship, can you tell us a bit about what you do now and also how did you get there? Yeah, sure. Um, so I am uh, building Clido, uh, which is a peer-to-peer advising from young professionals to high school students. And um, a lot of that is based on this um, this mentorship slash advising, advising from someone who walked the path to someone who is at the beginning of their journey, right? Uh, we're trying to bring um, very personal experiences um, from uh, very personal experiences and personal advice to the students um, and making that trust and relatability that I just mentioned into um, the foundations of these kind of sessions that you're having with these young professionals um, so that they can truly give you the advice that, and also just the inspiration that you needed it in terms of, you know, the different kind of careers that you're going to go into, the different jobs that you're going into, the different sort of lifestyles that you would like to have, right? Um, so I started this actually pretty recently in, uh, this past January. Um, but I have been tinkering on idea in EdTech since, uh, September of last year. Um, when I was just like feeling restless about like what I should put my effort into. 
um, and talking with my brother uh, that I mentioned uh, like 20 minutes ago has also ha- ha- uh, helped a lot in this case. Um, I was with him when he was doing his college application processes, and um, he actually had one of the worst um, case scenarios in terms of having a guidance counselor telling him he was not able to go to school that he would want to get into because he or she has never seen um, that anyone from his school do go into those schools Um, and telling him that his grades are not enough um, to to make it to what he wanted. So um, I think, you know, I think I know my brother. I know his potential. I know that what he could do. Um, so I wanted to replicate the process that I had with him, um, in, in a larger scale, because I do believe there is a lot of people, uh, and students out there who, who maybe it was as lost as I was once upon a time and definitely, um, did not have the support system to help them in order to know what a clear pathway will look like. One with financial security, one with, um, the ability to help your family, um, at the end of the day, um, and want something you can feel you pr- uh, you found yourself to be proud of, um, and can be able to make your own trajectories from there. Um, so that is why I'm uh, working on this project. Yeah, I think that's so great to hear, and also just like your your own personal story of you working with your brother, and that's 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 really unfortunate that like the person he would trust for advice is very discouraging, just because the guidance counselor hasn't seen someone get into those schools from that um to those colleges from that high school Mm -hmm. and i think it's great you know it's like it's like when people like go get a second opinion and like you were that a second opinion you knew him from a different um perspective than just the grades or whatever stats the guidance counselor was looking at so i think that's really great like that actually reminded me that i i kind of forgot this but i also received some mentoring when i was going through the college experience outside of bronx science and i had participated in a program that uh, Columbia MBA students had created and it was targeted to exposing minorities to business. And part of that program, in addition to learning how to do a, a case, a business case was they assigned us with someone who's a, um, a business school student to help us through the college application process. And she was so phenomenally helpful for me on how to craft the essay. Cause she came in at when I started doing the regular decision, I wasn't connected with her when I was doing early, but like just so great to have an outside perspective of someone who's gone through the experience and someone who, because that, that program was targeted to minorities. Like she understood the experience of being a minority, being maybe not having the family experience or exposure to, to the colleges and knowing that you're striving for something like, you know, like I wanted to go to the Ivy league, like go to school in the Ivy leagues. And she, she, she understood that, that, aspiration and knowing that with your background maybe it doesn't feel as sure um, of a thing but she was able to really help me through that so I think that's really awesome that like I experienced mentorship like that when I was in high school and I think it's great to have students be exposed to that and have that um, exposure can you we talked about Collide a little bit before can you talk a little bit more about because the part I really liked is how you said it's going to be really accessible to people can you talk a little bit more about that yeah, so um, the goal is definitely to be accessible to um, all the students um, that, you know, needed the support. Um, and the way that, you know, I am personally making a mission to uh, make it more accessible is by um, definitely offering um, those with um, more of a, 
I guess, a needed circumstances um, and allowing them to be met with a mentor, um, an advisor um, at, at no cost to the students. Um, but this is still a working business model and something I have not achieved yet at this point. Um, so uh, it's something to be looked out for in the future. Hmm. And if we have any high school students who are listening who you know want to be in touch when um, like Kaleido is opening up or has launched or even if you have a beta program or anything, like how can they stay in touch? Yeah, definitely. So we do have a private beta live right now. Um, and you can sign up at Kaleido.co um, and um, sign up for an interest form and I will be in touch for you. And um, as the beta program will be free uh, since we're testing our playbook and making sure that, you know, that it's providing value to you as a student and to um, the advisor. Um, so we will love your participation as much as possible in order to make this better for other students. Awesome. And I just realized I said beta and I don't think and when I was in high school, I even knew what a beta is. Can you right. explain that? And also just what is the beta program going to be like for Kaleido? Yeah, sure. Um, it's uh, So beta is basically a testing trial. So there's alpha, there's beta. Uh, so um, I have done a few, uh, well, I've done some extensive customer interviews to kind of lend to this um, testing um, period when we're looking for like, oh, um, is the onboarding process correct? Is our pricing model correct uh, in the future? Um, and if, um, you know, the sessions are timed at the correct time, right? So these are some of the things that we're testing. Um, and going forward, uh, the specific beta program that's currently live that entails is probably a three-hour commitment spending over a few weeks. Uh, you will be paired with a uh, advisor um, that's right now within my own network um, and um, being able to have conversation with them. Um, and then I will be following up closely from the uh, pre, during, and after periods in order to kind of get your feedback on it. Yeah, and to all the listeners, I will have a, a link to the program in the show notes. So if you're interested in getting involved or if you're a high school student or if you know other high school students who would like to be involved with the beta program, you can definitely share with them and fill out um, the interest form. And Anna, I guess like, um, can you, I, I thought your, when I looked at um, your professional background to where, how you got to where you are now, can you, I thought it was quite interesting. Like, you know, you've had experience in product management, management and also like with tech stars like can you talk a little bit more of how you went from graduating Cornell to now being a founder and working on Kaleidal yeah um so graduating Cornell um so actually my undergrad was in um so I changed my major three times when I was in high, uh, college which is I guess to be expected um so I switched from pre-med to biomedical engineering to into the screen studies and actually graduate with, um, which, which basically means you make your own major, um, which is really fun because I get to take um, like MBA courses and anything I wanted and wine classes um, um, and still graduate in four years. Um, so that was really cool. Um, but I graduated with a sense of feeling like I wanted to bring a product to life. Um, that's a very general sense of things I know, but um, I guess the, the key term is commercialization, right? How do you commercialize something from a abstract academic idea into something that is delivered to people's head, right? Um, 
so when I graduated Cornell, I went to Corning, which is a Fortune 500 company, which make my parents very happy. Um, and, um, you know, participated in their Guinea, uh, Guinea program, um, where I was a rotational associate. Um, the title is commercial rotational associate. And you basically go through the different departments trying to understand the inner workings of how a large, um, company corporation work. Um, and it was extremely helpful in my role in becoming a product management training program. Um, and I was just very soon tired of corporate world and how stifling it could be, how much politics you can play and how many, you know, um, base business cases that you can make that just kind of go nowhere at the end of the day, um, because someone says so. Um, so, um, I took the leap, uh, in 20, is it 2020? I think, uh, last year. Um, into, um, into, I guess, more of a startup role. Um, so Techstars is accelerators that I was able to participate in as associate. Um, and it was a basically um, a 12-week program um, from uh, 10 companies in like 10 different industries um, going for a seed funding at the end of um, these 12 weeks. And it was also just like super condensed learning in a very short amount of time, understanding the VC landscape, the NGO landscape uh, in Seattle specifically, um, and how um, 10 companies is able to survive through a pandemic, <laughs> which is um, a fun after fact that I was able to witness. Um, and that experience has really taught me that if I do want to build something, it has to be something really meaningful. It has something that I stand by it by myself, and I know that it meant a huge amount to me if I was able to achieve that. Um, so that was the thought I left with me um, when the program ends in May of last year. Um, and I transitioned into a new role um, after that program as a first product hire um, of a small business. Um, and just been working on tinkering on an idea since then and finding a right to Clido, um, something I'm very personally passionate by uh, because I lived through it. Um, and it's something I wish I had when I was younger. Yeah, I, I also wish I had that when I was younger. I was like, I think I found mentorship towards the end of my high school career. So that's, I think that's really great because like, you know, you talk about, you know, creating a product and you essentially would have been the customer when you're in high school and you're able to design for that experience because you've looked through it and you've seen what it's like, um, you know, if your brother didn't have you, like who would he, who could have like, you know, believed in him, whereas his guidance counselor may not have been as encouraging. So I think that's super awesome that you're, you know, you're creating this program, but that, you know, you've lived through so many, you know, such, such diverse experience and also have experienced such powerful mentorship through Pam as well. And, um, you know, we were, it's like we were talking before about like, you know, different things you wanted to highlight. And I think this sounds kind of related to the point of exploring. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, so I think um, being at Cornell really opened my eyes to a lot of things. So after PAM, um, which is one of the internships I did, I actually did many more after that. Um, so I was able to go to the Philippines, for example, um, to work on a um, 
work on a medical uh, POCT, point of care devices, and uh, to distribute it in remote and rural uh, Philippines where, you know, the only connection you have is just your phone connections. Um, so that was a very different, you know, industry um, and understanding that I was able to have. I was like, wow, like, you know, it's it's the infrastructure is just not there. So how are you going to work your way around it? Um, I went to the UK uh, as well. I did um, kind of like a UX, UI kind of externship, just trying to like understand the trade. I was very focused on bringing a tech product at that point. Um, and all of these experiences have just taught me that, you know, there's just so many different ways of doing stuff um, to, like I said, to commercialize. That is something I was really key on after I graduate like what that even meant to different um, different places, to different people, to different demographics, um, and how people are just like living and they're still, you know, very happy at what they do, um, traditions, the beliefs, um, the perspectives that they have, right? So um, that exploration factor has um, ultimately, uh, I think, like equipped me and led me to where I am now, right? I'm not afraid to, jump a leap and just like go into something entirely new um, because I know within myself I could be able to do it and I have the safety net of um, you know having a good education um, and being able to work my ways out and having the support of mentors and friends and stuff like that but that's not to say it's scary every single time that I do it right but I do have the reassurance that things will work out once I started it because um, people wanted to help and people wanted to help you in any way possible. So it does sometimes, uh, it's up to you to just make that leap. Oh yeah, I think that's that's really great advice of like for you to um, to show how you did that exploration because I think like we were talking about in Bronx Science, like it's, it, it, it often felt like, oh, we kind of just take what looks good on college for college um, applications. And I, I think I, I think there's a lot more opportunity for exploration actually right now at Bronx Science. I've seen a lot of um, posts from the Alumni Association, from students with like um, all these different clubs. And even back when there was, um, I guess when people can gather in per person, they had summer programs for students to explore more about um, computer science and coding. So I think definitely students can explore now, but that, um, that theme of exploration applies to more than, of course, when you're in school. It applies to outside of school. Like you took that leap and you know went to 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 work as an associate of tech stars, for example, and just see what happened. Then the pandemic, <laughs> you saw how all the companies were able to navigate, you know, that very um, you know scary obstacle that appeared in front of everyone's path. Who knew that you know a pandemic would happen in 2020? But you took that leap, and that net does appear. And I I. I think that's really important you bring that up because like sometimes when I write here, people say, take the leap, the net will appear. I sometimes roll my eyes because I'm like, well, you're coming from like a, you know, place of super privilege and everything. Like, how can you say that? But like, I think, you know, just having faith in yourself is like you, you like we were talking about your background and, and you know, you come, you do come from an immigrant family, you didn't know English before, you're coming from a low income environment. And, you know, that, I mean, you can, you know, just have faith because like if you create those relationships, like you mentioned, I think it's um, really helpful, but also it's not to say, like you said, it's, it's just scary. Like it's just have the faith and like, you know, work at it. And, you know, if it's a, something that you really truly believe in and like um, it's, it somehow works out, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think um, 
it's, it is a very skeptical statement um, that, you know, um, that you're like, okay, that's easier to be said than to be done. Um, but I, I do think that um, if you realize what you are, I guess, like your abilities are and how you can um, use your network and already have that, I mean, obviously don't be stupid and just like jump into it and be like, yay, it's going to happen. Um, it, it does take a lot of considerations. Um, but I think if there's something that really drives you and you're personally, passionately moved by it and you can't really think about anything else at that moment, <laughs> um, which is kind of how I characterize it, right? Like something I'm really passionate about. Um, I do think there will be a way to come for you. Um, and and your ability will shine in that case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I always like to bring references to other episodes. So Juno, um, Lee's episode, I thought she touched on this as well. She dropped out of college. And that definitely is like, you know, a big leap of faith. And she mentioned her advice was, you know, if it's something that you really truly believed in, it's not worth your time trying to convince other people because then that just takes time from you actually trying to work towards the goal. But do have, you know, some type of, a plan. Don't just go in there blindly. So for her, her plan was, you know, if it doesn't work out, she could always go back to college. She didn't have to be a college dropout forever. And that was her safety plan in case something, you know, so that she just didn't go into it blindly. So I think that's really great advice that you gave, Anna. And just to um, to close us off, I like to ask this question to everyone. So this podcast is called Dear Bronx Science. So I want to pretend that you're writing a letter to Bronx Science and you just addressed it, Dear Bronx Science, at the top. How do you want to finish it? What do you want to say to Bronx Science? Whether it's however you want to interpret Bronx Science, whether if it's just like, you know, Bronx Science as a thing or the school, the students, the alumni, what do you want to say to Bronx Science? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I think, first of all, I have to thank Bronx Science. Like, you have been great. Um, I definitely was able to um, be a step ahead. Uh, in terms of like the knowledge I gained for Bronx Science, the sectors. Uh, so I participated in Intel as well um, as a, the research project. I don't know if it's still running, probably still is. Um, that that made me a realization of um, I don't want to become a doctor, actually. Um, so, so I think it's really well equipped uh, for you to be very specific in a sector. And STEM is a great sector to be in because it teaches you the logistical thinking skills. Uh, it teach you, you know, how to experiment, if and then, all of that stuff. Um, but the world is so much bigger. There are just so many things out there, There's so many different career paths you can take, jobs that you never even know existed, things that your parents are still going to be proud for you because you're having a happy life and you're having a successful life, right? Um, and you don't have to be a status quo in that terms, right? Like you don't have to be like um, the, the person or you, you don't have to be traced like three passing life, like lawyers, pre-med, business person, right? Um, they sound glorious. Um, they sound maybe a lot of, with a lot of money and financial security, but you really do have to value yourself. Like what do you want? And if my skill um, is, um, can like kind of key into that really well and, how do you define a very happy lifestyle? Um, so that peer pressure is definitely on you <laughs> um, because everyone's striving for the hardest thing. 
but take take a step back and um at the end of the day you live your life it matters to you you are going to be the one feeling about certain things um so try not to believe in the trends too much well anna thank you so much for all of your um you know, your insights and words of advice to the students and um, who are listening for Kaleido and also just to all the listeners on here, whether they be a student or not, I think all of your um, messaging about mentorship, exploring and taking the leap is also incredible. So thank you, Anna. Thank you so much, Victoria. And check out Kaleido.co. Thanks for tuning in to hear this story from the Bronx Science community. Follow us on Instagram at Dear Bronx Science to stay updated on new episodes. And if you're interested in being a guest, fill out the form linked on the Instagram page. Be sure to tune in every Sunday for a new episode.